All right, hello. Welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, episode 106, with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Deadman. Oh, Renfrey. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you, Renfrey. It's hot, isn't it? It's bloody hot. It's too, oh, it's hot. Too bloody hot. And I'm going to say... It's close. I'm going to say right now, um, due to this ridiculous heat, I am sleep deprived. So this could be an interesting <laughs> show today. <laughs> I'm just going to say right um, now. <laughs> My girlfriend has been sleeping on the sofa because... Having troubles a, at home? Yeah. A, she can't bear the sight of my grotesque, sweaty, naked body. <laughs> and uh, of an evening, leering over her uh, <laughs> in the dark. Um, oh and two, I mean, you literally, we sat there a minute ago and I put my hand on her knee and I sort of peeled it. We, we actually were like, oh, we're like, I'm sorry, it's too... It's too hot to show any sort of affection, affection. for any other every kind of living thing. Poor Bonjour is in a right old state. I bet. How's she coping? Well, she's a moron. She's just staying she in is. the bedroom. The bedroom is the hottest room in the house. The boiler's in there. The sun looks through it. And she spends her whole life in there, just on her back, lying out like, please, God, let me die. It's really <sighs> weird. It's really lazy, I feel, Bonjour. Mm. Well, she's a, a cat getting into middle age now. She can do what she wants. Yeah. How old is Bonjour? She's going to be nine this year. Ah, oh, we going to have a birthday celebration? I am. <laughs> You're not invited. <laughs> I don't want to be invited. She'll probably, <laughs> no, I didn't think you were. She'll probably scratch me to death for her birthday. Yeah, wow, that's actually what she's, she's made a list of what she wants. And that's one <laughs> that's of the things that's on her, on her Christmas list. Um... Oh, blood, bloody love it to be Christmas right now, wouldn't you? Oh, yes. What please. I want for Christmas is it to be Christmas right now. <laughs> um, anyway, enough about the heat. I'm sure you're all experiencing the same thing, unless you're listening to us in, I don't know, Antarctica. Have we got any listeners in Antarctica? You look at that kind of stuff. I don't. Nerd. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do the job properly, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um i i don't <laughs> i don't believe we do metallica have got there but we haven't yet but um mm. one day one day hey i'll tell you what i'll bring them in this week we are reviewing new albums from biffy clyro fontaine's dc poisonous birds and t morris and joe quell plus on broken records we look back at the very worst excesses of the mid noughties indie domination as razor lights self-titled album is put in the dock um in fucking Hannibal Lecter garb as well. Like, seriously, lots of security around that album. We can't just let that kind of wander in. You ain't getting out on bail, mate. No chance. Um, just want to say a really big thank you to all the people that listened to our cave-in special that we just did. Mm. Go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash podcast, uh, where you can sign up for our £5 a month tier where you get two, or in this case at the moment, three sometimes, um, classic album series podcasts, from us, we um, did Jupiter and Antenna, and we didn't say this when we were talking about it on the show last week because we didn't know if he was going to be on there, but we were graced by the presence of Stephen Brodsky from Caving. Yeah. He sent us some little voice notes. We sent him some questions, and he answered those questions. The Jupiter one's available for free for you to listen to and go, oh, that's good, and then... That's the carrot. The stick is over <laughs> on patreon.com forward slash right act podcast where you can listen to the antenna um, podcast as well. What a great band they were. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Ah, ah. Uh, it was, it was, um, uh, it was 
absolutely thrilling to um to, to just email mr brodsky as well <laughs> and just mm. get the chance to say thank you very much for appearing on our silly little show um so yeah uh, massive gratitude to stephen brodsky for doing that for us um and yeah uh the response has been great so thank you very much to everyone yeah thanks very much Kevin and um steve brodsky himself actually shared it on all their socials so that was really nice of them and there are other things there there are other classic albums there from the likes of blur pink floyd um manic street preachers guns and roses marilyn manson sepultura lamb of god glass jaw loads of good shit radiohead yeah. as well loads of good shit over was there, a little I bit disappointed i was a little bit disappointed that axel rose didn't share the use your illusion 2 special but yes here's know, yeah. or send us a voice note <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you imagine oh my yeah. god i think my i think i would explode if axel rose sent us a voice axel Even- <laughs> what why did you why did you do two versions of don't cry on the same album basically <laughs> Um, Axel, can you <laughs> can you explain my the... world, Axel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what when the fuck you, were in, you thinking? In getting the ring, when you were saying "fuck you" or you put or whatever it is, he says, I can't remember now. What what, what exactly was going through your mind when you recorded that? And we oh. get something back again. <laughs> <laughs> That's my shit, Axel he's, Rose impression. He's never going to voice note us now, for goodness' sake. Mm. Sorry, I've upset you, Axel. We apologise. Anyway. Um, it's an up and down week for news when free um smash mouth trapped buck cherry quiet riot drowning pool lit skillet 38 special and night ranger all played a festival in south dakota with no social distancing and no mask which i thought was good because i hoped that all of those people were gonna die anyway and now they might so brilliant Stephen Controversy Hill there. Yeah. Uh. Not really that. I don't, I, the, the fact that I'm like, be good if Trap died. I don't even feel like that's controversial at this point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, let's say with Trapped. The only the only band that I have any love for there is Lit. And and even that's nostalgic, I think. Um, and, their song. and their song. <laughs> I tell you what, um, is it Trapped by the Light Fantastic? The album they released prior to... Uh, Oh, the Sun record. <laughs> a place in the Sun, there we go. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It's got shouting on it. <gasps> Ooh, shouting. It's got what? It's got shouting on it. We'll be talking about <laughs> shouting later, won't we? Sounds like Biffy Clyro written them off. <laughs> <laughs> ah, to be discussed later. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, <laughs> I shared this on Twitter and I just with the comment highly irresponsible or just natural selection and action uh i mean you know um people covid deniers and people who don't wear face masks and aren't doing this kind of thing are just fucking wankers aren't they and they're, they're kind of yeah. worse they're the worst absolute wankers they're the worst kind of wankers as well because they're dumb wankers which are my, my least favorite type of wanker um, I mean, the thing is renfrey right i understand that you want to go back to normal and you mm-hmm. want everything to be fine again and you want to go to gigs and yep. you want to have a lovely time and you've we gone, oh, it's not as bad. It's not as bad. Blah, 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 blah. It's not as bad, right? But if you just just go a few months or even it happens to be a year, right? So it's a fucking year and 18 months. 18 months without going to a gig. It's annoying. Yeah, it is annoying. It is. But yeah. it's not the end of the fucking world, no. right? Well, COVID just, could be the end of the world. That's the problem, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> it's like if you do this sort of shit, then you're just going to make things go on longer and longer yes. and longer. You're not making it better. No. You're not fucking fighting your, like, this is this is American. I'm free to do it. No, you're an idiot. You're a bloody moron. I mean, 
the clue was in the fact that you wanted to see Buck Cherry. <laughs> you're a moron. But obviously, I mean, I just the the mind boggles. It really does. Mm, yeah. It really yeah. does boggle. And it means that them fucking around like that, actually, it, it probably won't affect us over here. But if Bloodstock gets cancelled next year, I'm going to be furious because mm. Bloodstock just added Merciful Fate mm. as a Saturday night headliner mm-hmm. in 2021. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, Renfrey. Devin Townsend, Judas Priest, Merciful Fate as a headlining trio at Bloodstock. Mm is fucking brilliant. Yeah, Merciful that Fate. Is, I mean, I thought Behemoth was great anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Merciful Fate actually feels quite special, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fewer people complaining about that replacement than the Biffy Cairo replacement, obviously. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a great shout. I'm, honestly, I'm more of a Behemoth fan than I am a Merciful Fate fan, but I do think that it is a really good, good swap. Um mm. It feels is it's a fair while since Merciful Fate have played, isn't it? Uh, we've got King Diamond yeah. a fair amount, but Merciful we, Fate themselves, it's been a while, I think. Well, I yeah, uh, Merciful Fate came back and did that um, big day out that you went to that I didn't go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metallica in nineteen ninety nine. Yes, I want to say yes, and right. I'm not even sure. If people, I mean, there was a few years where things were a bit fuzzy for me, so apologies if i am getting this wrong but i'm pretty sure that was the last time they actually played here in the united kingdom and back then they were the opening band on the second stage and people were going who because it was the 90s and we didn't care about things from the past did we we just cared about cool new stuff like creed and uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and ben harper yeah 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 um yeah i've just done a quick uh setlist fm check and according to setlist fm the last show merciful fate played was on october 23rd 1999 so yeah it's absolutely a coup for them to so yeah 21 years so it mm. is a massive deal it's a it is a great shout like well done bloodstock that's that is cool and i have to say having mm-hmm. seen king diamond's 2013 headline set mm-hmm. uh he was wicked as yeah. well yeah yeah really really good so i think that'll be fucking brilliant um so that's kind of the good news um merciful fate and you know smash mouth are gonna die um (laughs) the bad news um is really quite bad this week uh martin birch the very very well respected um producer of some note unfortunately passed away uh last week um in fact actually let me get the exact date it was the 9th of august um that he passed away we don't have a um a sort of cause of death but Mm. regardless um you know he's produced some absolutely massive hard rock and metal records from the kind of the, the early days of that genre and you know really kind of integral in in capturing the sound of some of the biggest bands in in, in metal, isn't he? Well, look, he's worked with the likes of Fleetwood Mac, Deep Purple, Wishbone Ash, Rainbow, Black Sabbath, White Snake, Blue Oyster Cult. And possibly, I think he's probably most famous for working with Iron Maiden. Um, this is the point where I take over being the um, <clears throat> the Iron Maiden yeah. fan of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, Martin Birch produced Killers, Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, Somewhere in Time, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, No Prayer for the Dying, and Fear of the Dark. He also did producing work on uh, Live After Death and Made in England. I mean, you're talking about the period that is most uh, revered by most Iron Maiden fans, um, to say the least. 
Um, I think even even as a uh, non-fan, I think you'll uh, accept that, you know, I mean, Killers, for example, is a record that I think you really like, I believe. Yeah, yeah, the first two I really like. I mean, to be honest, I, re- I, I really like Power Slave. Yep. I really like Live After Death. Yeah. Um, and I think Peace of Mind's got some fucking, ba- well, Number of the Beast obviously got some fucking bangers on it. Mm. Um, I think Peace of Mind and Power Slave are really good. Um, you know, that is, uh, yeah, like I say, even as a sort of non-bothered by a maiden, I know those are really, really great records. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I was trying to think of a way to sum up Birch's production style. Uh, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but then I came across Ben Bowman Thomas's article on The Guardian about Birch's passing, and the opening line sums out quite well, I think, when he described Birch's sound as bright but heavy. Um, and I think that's a really nice, quite simple summation of the characteristics of Birch's signature sound. And that juxtaposition is, I think, likely partly responsible for bringing metal to more ears, but without compromising its sound, you know, and that's a difficult thing to do. You can't produce a record like a Nal Nathrak and expect it to be enjoyed by an audience en masse, you know. Um, Mm. But I think Birch hit quite a beautiful sweet spot in terms of making records sound heavy, but also bright enough and palatable enough for a large audience. And that stuff is really, really important, you know, especially in terms of getting um, this music out there and getting it heard. Um, he actually retired in 1992 after working on Maiden Sphere of the Dark record. But, but by that point, you know, whether you're a fan or not, he had absolutely had an absolutely intrinsic part to play in forging the sound of hard rock and heavy metal um certainly in a cl- in the classic sense as we know it um and um yeah it, it, we, there was no way that we couldn't at least mention it uh, in passing even though you know even though we've we sometimes have uh some slightly negative things to say about those bands you, you have to give credit where it's due mm. i think martin birch absolutely deserves that credit so yeah. uh, rest in peace absolutely and the bad news <laughs> uh continues this week i mean this one is pretty close to me, I have to say. Mm. Algi Petrov, um, the lead singer of Entombed, um, posted a GoFundMe page. It's gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash support hyphen Petrov. Uh, I might read that again because I do want people to go and actually have a look at it. gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash support hyphen Petrov. Um, he's been hit with an incurable cancer as... Mm. Um, as far as he is obviously willing to go uh, when when talking about this, um, that he's been battling for some time. Doctors are trying to control it. Um, but, I mean, uncurable mm. is a, <laughs> you know, is a pretty scary word, mm. I think. Mm. So, um, you know, obviously it, it's, it's, a, it's a when and not if situation, sadly. And, you know, I've spoken about Entombed quite a lot on this show yeah fair bit about how much i love that band and how sort of in influential and um uh how, how much of a big deal they were to me in the in the sort of my um my journey of getting into heavier and more extreme music probably the single most important band in fact i would say uh to be perfectly honest so um please go and give him some some support and uh yeah it's really really sad that uh, i also want to say if you feel like you want to get something back for your support um you can um there is a um a, a, a wolverine blues 
um what's it actually called hold on let me find it there's a an entombed covers ep that converge are putting out that you can purchase uh on their Bandcamp, i believe which is going back to their um the split they did in 2012 with napalm death mm. and converge um recorded wolverine blues yeah. a cover of the classic entombed song um they have put out an ep with jacob bannon fronting it as a vocalist and then aaron turner who we spoke about a lot in the caving special obviously from isis and sumac um is fronting it as fronting a version of it kevin baker from all pigs must die in the hope conspiracy fronting a version of it and thomas Lindbergh from at the gates and disfear as well is um fronting a version of it so that sounds fucking brilliant yeah like yeah. do you know what i mean five different versions of the same song but by five absolutely wicked 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 vocalists mm. so um that's great and 100 of the money raised from that is going to go to the gofundme campaign which is brilliant so go over there give elgie some um some uh, support and then go and buy the converge you know I, I would say go and buy the converge thing wherever the money's going mm. but if it's going to a great cause like that fucking absolutely support it 100%. um not great not a great week for the news not the best no not no. the best um Let's try and up the ante and do something a bit more positive. Let's do some reviews and start with the big band. They're not a metal band. Um, it's Biffy Clyro. Not the metal band, Biffy Clyro, because they're not a metal band. Um, I'm not going to do this all the time. Sorry. No, please don't. Uh, <laughs> no way. <laughs> That'll um, get boring very quickly. <laughs> it is a celebration of endings. The ninth studio album from the hugely successful Scottish rock band. The follow-up to last year's excellent Balance Not Symmetry original soundtrack album. But really, I suppose it's the studio album proper mm. follow-up to 2016's Ellipsis, mm. which I have to say, uh, even though it had Animal Style on it, which I think is a fucking banger. Um, I found that album to be a little bit disappointing, Renfrey. How about you? Yeah. Um, so firstly, I want to say that Biffy Clyro are a band who I have a huge amount of admiration for in terms of um, the success they have. I mean, uh, we, we've we've done a fair bit of moaning about the bands that get massively successful um, over the years. Mm -hmm. But the thing with Biffy that I absolutely adore is they do have that really individual sent a uh, uh, voice to them there you know it's biffy clyro almost instantly sometimes you know it's biffy clyro before simon's even opened his mouth i mean simon it's true that yeah, yeah simon simon like very firmly makes it biffy clyro but even they have such a idiosyncratic style um and that's certainly the sort of thing that we like to champion on this show so i just i mm -hmm. you know i, I just absolutely adore this band um in terms of ellipsis yes i broadly agree with you for me it's their most uh, it's their least successful record um in my eyes it, it just because um it doesn't feel massively cohesive it feels a little bit all over the place i think it's a record that has great moments on it but not many great songs is how i would sum it up overall is that a fair thing to say do you think yeah, I think so. Um, I just didn't think it was as interesting as Biffy Clyro can be. Yeah, even yeah. At, even at their most uh, grand, I always think everything you've just said about how idiosyncratic and instantly recognisable and how Biffy Biffy are. Um, I thought there were moments on that record where they had that, but for a lot of it, I I was like, this kind of could be 
an other rock band do you know what i mean at points yeah it, it, at points at points there are definitely definitely moments of biffy that that shine through where you're like okay mm. this is biffy Clyro. but yeah there are mm. definitely moments where it's like yeah this could be a another uh rock band and like certainly i mean again just to like wang on about how wonderful biffy Clyro are we're talking about an arena band in this country at least who aren't afraid to fuck with the formula they aren't afraid mm. to experiment and put weird shit in front of an audience of thousands of people you know if biffy Clyro aren't your cup of tea that's fair enough but if someone were to turn around to me and say biffy Clyro are a shit band um i would have a massive long list of objective arguments to explain to them why they are absolutely not a shit band um yeah. i was thinking about this the other day i i don't know how much i've sort of made this clear on on the show but i'm not particularly a big queen fan personally you have said that yeah. right yeah yeah i'm not i'm not really a queen fan but then at the same time despite having said that i think if i turned around and said well queen are shit that's just objectively wrong like end of end of argument mm. that is objectively wrong the queen are not a shit band i'm not a fan but they're not a shit band and that's what i'd say regarding biffy i don't like if it, if it's not your bag fair play but people you know some like you, know, you still get people wanging on about the whole x factor argument or whatever and it's just like and, and kind of going oh they're just a pop band because of that x factor association and it's just eye-rollingly embarrassing i think that rhetoric um, just shows up the lack of knowledge of the individual making said argument more than yeah. it says anything against Biffy Clyro. Um, of course it does. Yeah, you know. You, you've, so. you've picked one song yeah, that exactly. doesn't, you know. There are some bands who are defined by one song, but I don't think you end up spending a decade in arenas and headlining Fez, Download, Reading, Tea in the Park, um, sub-headlining Glastonbury after nine albums. I don't think you get to that point if you have one song. Yeah, it's also it's hence also, why, like we said last week, that's why Wheatus aren't doing that. Yeah, and that's why Biffy Clyro are. Exactly, Wheatus are defined by one song and exactly. a cover of uh, Erasure. <laughs> um, well, and, and yeah, and also, uh, I mean, that's many of horror. The 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 X Factor song, quote unquote, it's actually a really good song. Like, you know, I'm not a big fan of the X Factor version, but, you know, the original Biffy version, it's it's very good. It's not the best song it they've is. released by a fucking no. mile. It wouldn't be... In... It's not even the best slow song on that album. No, I agree. I <laughs> absolutely what I mean? agree so, with you. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, it wouldn't be in my top 20 Biffy songs, I don't think. I'm not sure if it'd be my top 30 or even my top 40, but mm. it, it is a really... It is a good song. When You Hit yeah. Me, Hit Me Hard, that is a great fucking line in terms of, like, balladry. You know, that is... It, it's it's powerful so yeah it's a bit like that thing of that kind of one hit thing it's a bit like well, i've seen it on the metal hammer facebook page when they ever mm. they put up with something on face or, um, or about faith no more mm. they someone always goes oh what that one hit wonder band yeah. and i'm always like well what one hit are you talking about we care a lot epic fall into pieces mm. uh <laughs> I, I mean you know obviously easy Mm. midlife crisis mm. last cup of sorrow like what 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 is the one hit that you, I, the fact that i don't even know what the one hit you're talking about is yeah makes me think they're probably not alive if someone says oh biffy they're just a one hit wonder band yeah i'd go which one of their hits is the one hit well ascri <laughs> ascribing I mean? ascribing that to biffy just taking their major label um period alone living is a problem because everything dies who's got a match mountains uh rearrange you know um walls of winter like there's fucking loads of massive tunes that they've written so um yeah, yeah absolute 
fucking nonsense. It is nonsense, but we both have already said at the start of all this before we just admitted that we both like Biffy Clyro. Ah, we admitted it. Um, <laughs> that we uh, we didn't think much of the last album. So it can go one of two ways, this, because I think, you know, we mentioned the um, the soundtrack album that they did for Battle, like Balance Not Symmetry, um, which was we were really, really positive about. Yeah. But, um, but both of us at the time sort of went... It's not really a sort of proper Biffy Clyro record, even though mm. it is. Mm. And it mm. means that they can go and do those things. And I mean, you've spoken before about the fact that they will release very uncompromising, angular, obtuse B-sides albums that yep. go along with the very mainstream sounding, polished rock records that they are re- re- you know, releasing at the same time. Yep. So the question I think on it, it, that certainly was in my head is, after Ellipsis, are we now going to get a career where Biffy Clyro have given kind of everything that they need to give. And we now have forever kind of, not necessarily bad, but slightly diminished versions of what we used to get back when they were the best band that they could possibly be. Um, I'm just going to come out and say it straight away. I think this is a big old step up from Ellipsis. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking love this album. I think it's great. Um, I said to you the other day on the phone, in terms of big blockbuster records, the big, the big, big, big hitters, um, I feel like this is probably my favourite big blockbuster record of the year, I think, at mm. this point. Um, it's funny you were saying that because at the time I, 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 I had another big blockbuster album that no one else has heard yet, I don't okay, think. Okay, okay. And I had that on at the same time and I was like, cool which one's better oh, just as a sort of spoiler yeah. crikey okay i know the band yeah. you're talking about and i'm probably not allowed to say it but that is a no, big not. thing for you to say um yeah pff, you can probably take a guess but crikey that is a big mm. that that is big words um i think uh why is this record better uh in my opinion it's more focused um then ellipsis certainly i think it's more focused than opposites as well opposites is a very interesting record but it's a double album and like many double albums it wanders into territory some of it when it's good opposites is fucking incredible but it does wander into like territory which doesn't quite work for me as well but i think this one is far more focused far more cohesive um i was thinking about this i don't oh man i've listened to this like eight nine times I, this might be my favourite Biffy... It's certainly my favourite Biffy Clyro album since Only Revolutions. It might even be my favourite since Puzzle. Mm. Um, and I do think Balance Not Symmetry... I mean, I, I, when I say that, I'm sort of not including Balance Not Symmetry because I really do like that record as well. But I think Balance Not Symmetry has got quite a lot to do with um, uh, the direction that this album has gone. In fact, I don't think that I know that because I um, watched a Rock Sound um, interview with Simon Neal. It's not often that we get to say nice things about Rock Sound, but it's actually a very good uh, interview. So, hooray, mm-hmm. we can say something nice about Rock they Sound. They ask him what sort of biscuits he liked. <laughs> no, uh, no, that some decent questions were asked, uh, which was wow. nice. And it was actually quite interesting. Um, but um, yeah, he, he sort of admitted it then and, and and mentioned that balance not symmetry definitely had an effect on how this record um came out i mean the most obvious one on your initial listen will most likely be um the screaming again 
Um, and there was a screaming came back a little. I was going to say that for the end as oh, a little surprise, but fuck me. it, you've said it now. I was going to go it. sort of track, sort of track by track. But um, well, it just yeah, f- do, it, do you want to start there? It, uh, uh, oh, I feel like we should save the best till last. Um, so maybe we should do that. But I wanted to mention that just because um, it's it's kind of the the Opeth argument, right? So I really yeah. like like latter-day biffy clyro i still really like latter-day opeth and i'm still really interested in what they're doing and i'll still pick up their records but certainly because they've taken that super super screamy and then the super super heavy element out of opeth there are many 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 fans i think both of us included who do feel like you know obviously they are totally within their rights to do whatever the fuck they want they definitely earned it opeth as of biffy clyro but because the, that element is taken out, it, it, it just takes away a tool that you can use, um, which means that by proxy, your record is just not going to be, the, the newer records are just not going to be as diverse um, as the older ones. Um, because because you're not going from the folksy, wokesy, wokesy stuff to the heavy, heavy, screamy death metal stuff. Um, and in a way, I think you can, I, when people say that they have an issue with um, the direction that Biffy have gone in um, since the major label years. I think that is kind of partly what, what their issue is. So it is really nice for, to, to hear a return to that, um, to a little bit of screaming uh, here and there. There's, it's only, it's not littered with screaming at all. It's actually only scattered around here and there. It's probably only a couple of tracks out of the 11 that have screaming on it, but it just, it just gives the whole, it just gives a far more cinematic, broader, um, it, well, like I say, it just gives them more tools in their toolbox, doesn't it? It just gives it a bit more of a, and also yeah. Simon Neal's just a fucking great screamer. And when you're that good at screaming, yeah, it's just kind of a shame that you don't do it anymore, you know, that one doesn't do it anymore. So, um, and it's just really, it, I mean, I was I suppose it just goes to show how much I love this band, but I was jumping for joy when I was hearing screams coming through on this record. I was like, yes, probably far too excited, more excited than I should have been. But yeah. Well, maybe, but uh, yeah, don't get excited, mate. Whatever you do, it's (laughs) a dangerous thing for a music journalist to admit that you're excited about music. Um, Yeah. I mean, to be honest, you know, I, what I really like about this record is that there's stuff on it where I think, I actually, that's kind of surprising. And the, the kind of the return yeah. of the screamed vocals is quite surprising. Yeah. I mean, I've got to admit, when I first put it on, I think um, North of No South, the opening track on it, is sort of fairly typical Biffy as an opener. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good song. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is okay. But I did think to myself, oh, well, if we're going to get 11 of these, then mm. maybe I'm not going to be like jumping for joy about it i'll probably go yeah it's pretty good this yeah. you know they're, they're good at doing that yeah. but i wasn't i thought you know if this is the first track mm-hmm. and you always mm-hmm. stick a kind of great track at the start and i was like you know it's them doing the thing that they've been doing for the part of the, you know, the best part of a decade it's not bad at all it's, no. it's, it's a good it's a good song it's yeah. just it didn't leave me going cool wow and then you get a song called the champ coming in straight afterwards mm-hmm. which i think is fucking great mm-hmm. i've written down swashbuckling Beatles melodies. <laughs> That's nice, yeah. Because it's almost like a sort of, it's got a really kind of Beatles, Beatles-esque feel to it, but it's almost like it's too rowdy and it's like a sort of sea shanty version 
of Sergeant Peppers or something. Like I, I really, really liked it. And I was like, I don't really think I've heard them do this kind of psychedelic 60s pop, but brought up to, you know, like, you know, taken to a, a, a sort of dive, you know, CBGBs or something. I don't think I've ever heard them do that. And it was just really cool to go, oh, yeah, that's that's a really good idea. And that's really, really well executed. And I don't think I've heard this band who are, let's remember, nine albums, two decades into their career, yep. who headline massive festivals and massive, like, you know, and to stick that as the second track. Yep. And I thought, and then you go, is this going to be an outlier? Is it going to be like, oh, we've put a weird one in, but then we're going to go back to it. And then Weird Leisure comes in mm -hmm. and that's really good as well. Mm -hmm. And you've got this Bark Market style chord bend that Simon Neal does on it which I very much appreciate. Absolutely. Even though the rest of it, I was like, it's quite a biffy song, mm. but it's just got that, that kind of, yeah. Well, that thing that, um, that Dave Sardi does in Bart market yeah. where the guitars just sound like they're being melted. Yeah. And I've used the word melted quite a lot recently, but, um, <laughs> did we make it sure it's hot? It is really fucking hot. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, after that, I was, I was suddenly like, Oh fucking hell. This is, massively perked up absolutely i'm really really glad you've mentioned that point about how they are still continuing to do new things nine eight nine whether we're calling this the eighth ninth album whatever uh record uh, records into their career and that's exactly do, do you know why uh, again that's why objectively biffy clyro are a great band end of story because they aren't afraid to continue pushing things and doing new things something that i thought was interesting another song that i think is a little bit different compared to what biffy clyro have done in the past is actually the first single i believe it was the first single instant history it was quite an interesting uh, one wasn't it go on right mm -hmm. well um i was going to kind of go through it track by track and i was i i was going to say because um worst type of best possible I quite liked as well. We get a big Biffy ballad called Space and I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. And then those big whoa, whoa, whoa's came in. I was like, this is good. But I think the second half of the album, for me particularly, I think the second half of the album is where shit gets exceptional. Agreed. With the exception of Instant History. which I think, Which I think is really quite bad i think it sounds like young guns i think it sounds like something off the new asking alexandria record Ooh. i think it sounds like one of those fucking raw power modern like lower than atlantis one of those shit bands I, I really really hate i might as good as this record is i think that is a stinking song instant history that, really bad that's really interesting because um i mean i did my usual thing with this record i try not to listen to singles before getting albums just because i think sometimes it can kind of give the wrong idea of an album or, or um sometimes songs just don't work outside of the record as a whole or they certainly sound better surrounded by other songs um but it was very interesting to hear i mean there was quite a bit of consternation when instant history came out from sort of long-term biffy fans i think um or even short-term biffy fans to be honest um and i was sort of maybe it was because i was sort of uh prepared i could see it coming up on the on the track listing and i was like oh god is it gonna be you know as as bad as a lot of people have said and maybe because i was fearful i didn't think it was um I, I actually quite like it certainly within the context of the record um and i do think that it uh it is them doing something different it is doing something once again something that they have not done before um 
you know, it's not their natural habitat. But again, like the bravery to do that and to release that as the first single, again, it's just an example of why it makes them a great band. Um, See, I'm not sure I agree with that. I okay. have to be honest. I'm not sure I agree with that. I don't think making um, a sort of 2014 top man t-shirt rock band song and making it your first single when you're Biffy Clyro is a brave thing to do. I think it's a silly thing to do, actually. Mm. I, I think that the world has moved on from that type of thing. I mean, maybe because you're expecting it. I wasn't expecting it to be bad. I'm like you. I don't listen to singles, mm. sort of tracks on, on their own anymore, unless they're like, you know, the Kojira one that came mm-hmm. out that mm-hmm. was just a one-off thing. I try, I go, well, well I'll wait till the album comes out. So mm-hmm. I hadn't heard anything from this at all. And that song, to me, stood out like a sore thumb. And I thought to myself... I bet they release that as a single because it's just the one that will definitely get played on Radio 1 because it's the blandest, it's the most boring, it's the most modern sounding. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's 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 the only time, maybe ever, where I've gone, that's a bit cynical. Really? I, d- I have to say, I don't, I don't <clears throat> get the raw power connections that you're making, those raw power bands that you were sort of um, prescribing it to. It feels like more sort of Biffy Clyro's gone electronic. It's got that sort of odd synth, um, slightly Middle Eastern flavoured hook on it, which seems to be what most people dislike about it. But I actually quite like that little hook. I think it's quite nice. But I don't know. Again, I, 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 I accept that there's a lot of people who seem to have become quite angry by this song and this song alone but it didn't particularly bother me i don't think it's the strongest moment on the record by any stretch of the imagination but i actually think it's quite good um i am uh jumping around a little bit but i actually just wanted to go back to space um if you don't mind because um i actually i actually think space is a fucking wonderful song and the really um interesting thing about biffy and ballads i mean they are really really good at ballads biffy clyro um if you go i mean with the plum christopher's river machines all the way down opposite and yes many of horror but biffy generally are fantastic when they're slow and introspective um but actually i didn't really enjoy the more ballady moments on ellipsis though personally uh rearrange um, yeah. and uh medicine mm. was another one i think are two examples of what you were talking about there when the, it could have just been a another band and when mm. biffy do ballads normally they really sound like biffy Clyro still you know so i think what i like about space and um oh god there's another ballad on this album it's the penalty track Opaque. Opaque. I, I, like for me, I think Opaque is a far better song. Than oh, interesting. Okay. I think it's really wicked. You've got some cello, you've got some acoustic guitar. You've got a kind of almost a sort of country and Western tinge to it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought that sounded really good. That was like that. It was. It was Dylan-esque in, in parts. I thought mm. some of it mm. like I really liked it. I thought I thought that. I think when you put that up against space, I think space is good. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? It, it's mm. I, I'm not as invested in the Biffy ballads as some people. I don't mm. think, mm. um, I think they're good. At, you're right. I think they're good at doing them. Mm. Do I like listening to ballads that much? Not really. It's mm. not really what I'm interested in then in, in from that band, mm. Mm. but I think space is a, a, them doing their ballad thing pretty well. Whereas I think opaque is them doing a ballad, in a sort of way they've never really done before mm. and mm. sort of going into much folksier, more kind of Americana territory, but still with 
you know, the, my mate used to joke like, oh, it's Biffy Cly Clyro with their 300 piece orchestra that follow them around everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, and, um, you know, there has been a bit of that. Over the, like every, you know, there's a lot of orchestration in on in, on a lot of their songs. Yeah, this, a lot on Puzzle particularly. Yeah. Mm, and this, it just has a cello. Yeah. It's much more sedate. It's much calmer. Mm. It's much more minimalistic. And I think it's, I think it's really, really works for it. It's well good. Well good. I really like both of those songs. I, th I, I don't know. Oh God, do I have a favorite out of Space and Opaque? I don't know. I'm just really happy that they're back. Uh, you know, after I suppose I kind of listen out for the Biffy Ballads now. Um, and um, yeah, yeah. Part of my big disappointment with Ellipsis is I just thought Rearrange and Medicine were, were uh, neither of them are terrible songs, but but just in compared to their previous work, you know. Um, but I think both I think both of these ballads are just absolutely, absolutely wonderful i really 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 like them both um mm. are there any other songs you want to talk about before we go into the absolute fucking brilliance that is cop syrup well i just want to say because i said the second half of the album is is where shit gets really good mm. and i've just said opaque's a ballad which i'm not that interested in and um instant history i i really do not like at all um end of is like kind of jupiter era cave in all kind of big thick bass mm. and spacey weird chords mm. or maybe it's just because i've been listening to cave in loads recently but i made that connection quite quickly and that's got to be a good thing um just to jump just to jump in before we move on from end of end of is a brilliant example of why this record is great mm. it's angular it's a bit weird it's odd and yet come you know uh, when 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 Biffy are able to get out there and tour again and play these songs live, that song will be sung back at Festival Fields en masse. And yeah. that is why they're a brilliant band. They are able to be odd and quirky and weird and yet uh, digestible. And that is that is so fucking hard to do. That is really, really hard. So fucking hard. And end of is there's a couple of songs on this record that I think are a brilliant example of that. But end of is a really good one, I think. Sorry, I mean, carry on. Instant history is sandwiched is the sort of filling in in the sandwich of end of and the pink limit. Yeah. Limit and that kind of mix of modern electronica, like you're just talking of. I think they mm. do the modern electronica bit far better on that song. And it's kind of that cross with Husker do. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's cool. And it's like that's what I want you to sound of. It sound like it's got this weird. Um, odd time signature that they're so good at that they mm, make seem yeah. really easy and yeah, it's really yeah. really not yeah. and and you know a bit of brass as well I mean literally a bit there's there's some trumpet in the background but again mm. not overwhelming not mm. overpowering not like ha, 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 like the orchestra massive just a little bit of trumpet sits in the background and I thought both of those songs were perfect you know perfect to you know it uh, um, uh, a thorn between two roses <laughs> I would say fair enough uh, um but no, anyway agreed i love those two songs i think they're fantastic yeah mm. um but yes go on but then we get to the end of the album and there's a song called cop syrup which is the longest song on the album by some distance um comes in like in utero yes and then just goes berserk screaming blast beats woo like chino moreno <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then this chorus which is like smashing pumpkins flange guitar weezer melody and then it goes into that bit that sounds like Stephen wilson i know with a fucking flute i know and the Stephen wilson flutey bit um let's call it an extended bridge if we will um 
goes on for bloody ages, but it it it, it it's uh, built so lovely. Oh, I do should do it. Dare I say the PR word? You know the word I'm going to say anyway. Um, it has that wonderful, wonderful build to it, you know, and yeah. um, um, it, it just it, it doesn't get dull for my money because it's constantly moving and it's constantly going. There's a bit more cello work on that as well. I think it's cello. Certainly beautiful, gorgeous strings over the top of it, and like. Cop Syrup is not a traditional song by any stretch of the imagination. Again, just like we're uh, just uh, just like end of it's weird. It's angular. They've created they've created a scream vocal in it, which is actually a hook that I can imagine like thousands of people screaming back. There's this bit where Simon Neal's like, scream, everybody, scream, everybody, you know, and like, everyone's going to be doing that, aren't they? And like how many bands are capable of writing screamed hooks that, you know, like many, 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 many people are going to sing back to the audience, you know, uh, uh, that are going to potentially be played on Radio One. There aren't many. Yeah, not um, many at all. Not many at all. And um, yeah, and then and then this, you know, and it basically it's sort of a verse, chorus, verse structure to begin with. And then there's this massively extended bridge, which is sort of three or four minutes, which just builds brilliantly. And then it sort of goes back to the verse. There's a lovely woo from uh, Simon Neal and then I just feel spent because I've j- just had six glorious minutes of orgasmic biffy oh dear orgasmic <laughs> biffy apologies for that um but that is how I feel you know it's just I fucking love that song it's it's an untraditional song in every sense but biffy plop it onto the end of this record like it's fucking ever long or something yeah and it's probably <laughs> going to get them nominated for it's probably this is probably going to get nominated for best band they're going to get nominated best British band at the Brits mm. Yeah. almost certainly come yeah. february time yeah. so i mean i mean yeah it's wicked that yeah. song it's such yeah. a great way to end the album and you look at it and you go like for me there are seven great songs on this two that i quite like and one that i don't like at all okay which is a good solid high eight, I reckon. Mm, mm. If oh, I'm marking out a ten, God, I don't know what I'd give this out of ten, but I'm just so fucking delighted that um, Biffy have managed to marry um, uh, uh, Biffy have managed to take the sounds that we're aware of them doing now, the big anthemic Biffy style sound, and just pepper it with little parts of their past, um, mm. which make it to my ears a tad more interesting but then also as you brilliantly astutely said go out and expand out into other areas as well these are the bands that we should be like talking about from from the rooftops and it's so you know we moan about this all the time that like it's not it's not the most creative interesting bands that tend to headline the festivals these days the 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 ones that are coming through the new ones that are coming through aren't like we like some of them but they're not the most creatively interesting bands they're not code orange and stuff like this i don't think this is sort of code orange levels of creativity but it's certainly by far and away for me comfortably the most creative big band in this country and that alone means that Biffy Clyro should be respected, exalted and put onto this pedestal of greatness and we should all bow down at their feet whether we like them or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, for me, I think like, is this ever going to be anyone's favourite Biffy Clyro album? I don't think so, if I'm being honest. No. Um, but it certainly is a massive step up from 
ellipsis absolutely yeah. which i thought was you know obviously it's bang average um i will say is though, it, i mean is this is this an infinity land or a puzzle or no, a blackened sky not for i my mean it's probably probably not even an only revolutions to the majority of people i would say um my but, argument to that is only revolution i think only revolutions highs are higher but i think this is i personally think this is more consistent you might not agree I, with that but, i do um, agree with that oh, yeah. okay yeah yeah i do agree i think with that, that so i think the highs on only revolutions are higher but i think the lowers are actually for me far lower as well mm. so um but the consistency of this record, and that's kind of why i say i think overall i think i probably prefer it to only revolutions i don't think that's going to be a popular opinion because only revolutions is a record that people really took to their hearts and obviously you know you've got mountains on it and um uh, captain captain that got bubbles. Rule, bubbles yeah you've got loads of massive fucking songs i mean it's a great record but but um for me as an album overall i prefer this for that consistency reason mm. yeah i think i'd probably agree with you to be fair so there you go delighted to say that biffy clyro are back i mean they never really went away did they no 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 um <laughs> but they but they're back uh, uh and they are actually back as well they've got a new album out it's called yeah. a celebration of endings we've just been talking about it are you not listening or what <laughs> for fuck's sake um anyway there you go that's out right now let's move on to an album that came out actually this came out on the 31st of july uh so it came out a couple of weeks ago we missed it i have to say shamefully considering i did have my eye on this band i didn't even realize that uh that this record was going to come out it just sort of appeared from nowhere i had no idea it's the second album from the dublin post-punk band fontaine's dc it's called a hero's death uh the band only actually formed in 2017 um but in that period of time, they've managed to release their debut album, Dog Roll, last year, which was nominated for a Mercury Prize. And less than 18 months later, they have followed it up with this, their second album, which has also been nominated for a Mercury Music Prize, which I think is pretty fucking mental, if you ask me, Renfrey. Halfway through, you know, the three years as a band and you've had two Mercury nominations. Yeah. Um, pretty fucking mad, that. So they're, we thought They're we should... working very hard, aren't they, as well? Like, to, follow, to follow that debut up so quickly, like, fair play yeah. for the old uh, work ethic there. That's excellent. Definitely. I think it's crazy. I mean, I like Dogrel. We, um, somebody on, again, I want to say the lovely folks over at the, the download forum, somebody went, oh, you should think, you should uh, listen to that. And I did. And it sort of reminded me of a, um, Morrissey Pogues um, mashup. Mm -hmm. uh, on that first record and i thought it was quite promising now we didn't actually cover it because a we were a little bit late to it that's why we didn't review it um but also with us not being there at ground zero i mean i did see them at the mercury music prize um uh last year i actually saw them at the awards ceremony and i thought they were pretty good and i thought it was promising that record i thought mm. dog roll was good mm. i thought it was quite good mm. um and hence why when this one came out because i thought the last one was quite good um i left it about a week or so and then i was like i probably should listen to that and once i listened to it that's when i thought this is such a significant step up in quality okay. that i think we should absolutely cover it um they're a post-punk band obviously i like it do you know what i mean yeah Ob I it will surprise fucking no one to hear that i think this is great this record I feel like I might need to jump in here and just um, just sort of explain that. I feel like I'm at a slight disadvantage here because the whole post-punk thing generally just isn't my cup of tea. You're certainly a bigger fan of this kind of thing um, than, than I am. Um, I also don't have a 
loads and loads of reference points um for post-punk mm-hmm. really just because i don't listen to it loads so really the massive modern equivalent that comes up for me is idols and um, apologies to be a bit basic mm-hmm. bitch about it but you know that is that is what i um that is what i refer to when i when i hear this kind of thing uh, certainly in a modern context and um despite not being into post-punk generally those two idol records have proved to be an exception for me because i know quality when i hear it um but in terms of post-punk as a whole it's not a go-to genre for me um i was also aware that those idols both of those idols records took a little bit of time to click with me so i knew i might have to give this a few listens to get into it Mm -hmm. and i've listened to this album five times now i think and um i think it's okay but having a brief glance over the reviews the 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 positive reviews that this record has been getting it's pretty you know they've been getting like five stars in the guardian five stars in music omh you know five like a lot of five stars and a lot of four stars it's got very high score metacritic i can't bloody remember what it is now uh it's 84 um you know which is it's 35th it's ranked as the 35th best album of 2020 on metacritics you know uh chart so it is undoubtedly getting very very um strong praise um i guess ah maybe maybe i'm just being unfair comparing it to idols which i just think is way out in front for me personally but um Mm. you obviously well i don't know how permanently you disagree with that but what am i missing why why am um, I wrong? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think um, Idols is abrasive. Yes. And confrontational and pretty, you know, I mean, this is a fairly stark sounding album at some points, but Idols is almost sort of um, mechanically stark and very sort of, they're, you know, the, the kind of the cartoony nature of what idols do, I think is something that a lot of people who like to rag on them don't seem to understand is completely created by them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they come across to me like a kind of post-punk banana splits. Um, <laughs> and well, some, some people don't re- seem to realise that um, they're mocking that culture as well either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and I think um, it's, but it's still, you know, it's... Um, when they're serious they're they're obviously they're very serious you know some of the 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 subject matter from that records and both those both those records are very very serious um but they're done i I was gonna say and it feels like a kind of harsh thing to say but there's kind of nothing poetic about idols it's very kind of stark and brash and it like it is it is what it is do you know what i mean baby's clothes for sale never worn that is i mean that as i've said it that is very very beautifully poetic but i said in it said in such a kind of uncompromisingly stark way yeah they've got the same thing that john i think john lydon has about them mm. um they're far more sex pistols to fontaine's dc's the pogues or the smiths i think do you know what i think you've hit on why for my taste personally i struggle with this record though i think i think that's it because i um i miss that i mean it's a shit thing to turn around and to and 
exp- you know say about a band oh you don't do that thing that you had no intention of doing anyway so therefore you're not any good but for, for and i'm not saying that i don't think this is a bad record at all i just don't think it's one for me particularly um and i do i i did listen to dog rule and i really admire the fact that this is definitely um uh it's it's different to dog rule it is less sort of abrasive and less aggressive and that's obviously something that they've chosen to go that's a route that they've chosen to go down um there's certainly a calmer approach a more minimalistic approach there's a lot of repetition and the sonics on this record are quite subtle a lot of the time um i think for my money and for my ears it just gives it more of a lethargic dirgy feel which it doesn't sort of put me to sleep or anything, but I do feel my energy dipping whenever I listen to this album, you know, like I, I do like by the end of it, I do feel deflated personally. Mm. Um, that is not to say that it, I don't think that makes it a bad quote unquote record at all. Um, I just, I just, it's, I struggle with it personally. I, I mean, reasons. I can kind of, I can kind of understand um, why someone might feel like that. Mm, okay. I, do, I I understand it. I mean, I absolutely don't feel like that. I think there's, yeah. I, I mean, I think the the sort of the, the the grasp of restraint and the more, I, I thought the good parts of Dogrel were the parts where they showed a little bit of restraint actually. And I think there's there's this kind of classic Irish um, working class romanticism mm. about you know this kind of that that kind of poetic um that you know that so many artists from from that part of the world over the years have had whether it's you know the pogues or Sinead o'connor mm. um there there is that thing about that part of the world and um a lyricism yeah there's that yeah sort of beautiful beckett-esque yeah. lyricism do yeah, you know yeah. what i mean yeah. and there's some fucking brilliant stuff on this record i mean i think um my one of my favorite songs on it is televised mind mm-hmm. the third track which i think is great it's so great and it is it's quite everybody in the band's quite frantic like as probably as frantic as they get on the album on that song apart from the guitarist who just refuses just absolutely refuses to play fast mm. everything the guitar does which which is the highest thing up in the mix is just played really really slow really lackadaisical really sort of deliberate and it's such a great juxtaposition where mm. the drums are going really fast and um and uh Brian Chatton the vocalist mm. um who I think puts in a really fucking fantastic performance he's got a similar thing to what Simon Neil's got in that you listen to him and you go you are not aff- letting you are not affecting your vocal in any way Yep, that's I your voice. That. Yeah, that is yeah. absolutely your voice, and I think that's wicked. Um, I, um, I I I do agree with that one hundred percent. I think another stumbling block I have with this record is I just don't like Grind Chatton's voice. Mm. I just don't like it, I, and I'm I'm trying. I just don't like it. I don't think really? he. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's I think all of these decisions have been made on purpose. Um, and I definitely agree with you what you were saying about the third track in terms of everyone, everyone's being really, really frantic apart from the guitarist. And I think that makes for a very interesting juxtaposition. It's definitely an interesting thing to do and not something that you hear a lot. But I also found it 
sort of frustrating at the same time. Um, I certainly don't, again, you know, I certainly don't want to turn around and say it's bad because I certain, I, I think it's exactly what they were going for. It just, I mm. just haven't, I mean, who knows? I might, I might come back to this uh, later in the year and it might just click for me, you know, um, uh, the, these, these, as, as I said, regarding the Pidals, I don't want to go back to Idols too much, but as, <laughs> I, as I say, it's my only reference point really. Um, but, 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 you know, the Idols records did take a little while for me and, and, um, but I don't know. I just feel like for my money, I don't think there's the depth of those Idols records at all on this. Um, anywhere near as well. I'm not saying there isn't any depth at all. I just don't think in comparison, I don't think there is. I think, um, and I don't think it's as broad uh, in terms of its dynamics and stuff like that. And I think I agree with you that they do go as hard as they do on that third uh, song. And, you know, I don't know. I mean... I guess as someone who listens to Converge and Neurosis and stuff like that, I just, but you do as well. So this is besides the point, but I, mm. I, I just wanted more. I wanted more so that the juxtaposition was even stronger. But for me, because the juxtaposition wasn't as strong, it overall, it became a bit of a lethargic dirge to my ears. Oh, okay. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't feel that from That's this record enough. at all personally. Um, there's stuff like, uh, there's a song called Oh Such a Spring, which is only about two and a half minutes. And I think it's amazing. And you talk about the kind of lack of, you know, not having depth or anything. And I mean, that is as good, that is as good a, um, I wish I could go back to my youth. Like, you know, any song where someone's like, this is the memory of my youth from, uh -huh. you know like many many years ago and i wish i could you know and i wish i could like the clouds cleared up the sun hit the sky i watched all the folks go to work just to die i mm, think mm, like mm. there's there is there's, there's bits of that all over the record i, I yeah. think it's a, a beautiful song um i am gonna say actually oh such a spring is one of the highlights of the record for me um and, and but for me it stands out like a sore thumb um, somewhat contradictorily to what I've been saying, it's probably one of the most chilled moments on the record mm. sonically. Um, uh, but it's 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 not the fact that they are, you know, they do go to those chilled places that bothers me. It's the fact that they don't go further in the other direction, I suppose. But I do yeah. I absolutely agree with you that Oh Such a Spring is a really good song. I, a really that... beautiful, laid back, dreamy lilt of a song, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's their... Um... I think that's their their sort of sweet spot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's where they're at their best. I For agree. me, like, even though I said, you know, probably Televised Mind, I really like, even though that's probably the fastest one. Yeah, it's not a fucking rager. Like, it's not going to have people going crazy or anything. But, mm. um, but even like the opening song, like, I Don't Belong, I think is really good. And it's, it's sad and it's poignant. And it's, you know, it, there's not a lot musically to it, but it just, it kept me so um engaged throughout its entire runtime and i think this record keeps me really really engaged like most i'd say most of it there's a couple that i was like yeah you know, like i think a lucid dream and you said is not um and not actually no you, a lucid dreams are right i think i was about said, I, I was about to say that's really interesting because uh, the, the two highlights for me are oh such a spring and a lucid dream 
I love the way that it subtly, uh, subtly builds. I mean, classic me, isn't it? But you know, it yeah. it has a it really builds in a really subtle, uh, admirable way. I I those are for me the two highlights by far. But yeah, yeah, I know I was getting it mixed up. I think yeah, you said and like uh, living in America is is not the James Brown song, um, <laughs> but. Um, I like that, even though that's quite a quite a simple song, and that is quite dirty. I think there's a thing about post punk where they do. I think they need to kind of. I would rather they kind of stripped away the dirtier stuff and just existed in that kind of um, oh such a spring a hero's death space, and I think they'd be a really really like great band for it. But this album, as as a piece, it's forty six minutes long. It's not a long album. Um, I really like it. I think it's really good. Yeah. Okay. Fair dues. Mm. I mean, like I say, I could not turn around and objectively go, this is a bad record or anything like that. But for me, I mean, every time I've listened to it, certainly by the end, I'm sort of willing it to end. Um, I think it really ends with a whimper, a bit of a wet fart of an ending in no. Um, Yeah, that's not the best either. But yeah, yeah, but overall, I I do really like this record. I think it's I think the highlights of it and the majority of it, I think, is is good. But the highlights of it are fucking exceptional. I think. Cool. I will really, keep. Really I will keep trying. I will keep. So trying. there you go. That's a hero's death by Fontaine's DC, which is out now. The next album we're going to talk about is from a band called Poisonous Birds, a mysterious UK trio. Um, this is a six-track EP from them called "We Can Never Not Be All of Us." What does that mean? I don't really. I have no idea. Don't know what that means. No. Um. So anyway, um. You brought this in, Renfrey. This mm. is a bit of you. I don't know anything about this band. Mm. Fill me in. Can you fill me in? <laughs> is it a bit of me? I don't know. It's um, their Bristol base. Well, you brought it in. Well, I brought it in, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's a bit of me, necessarily. Um, uh, the press release says they're best described as art rock meets electronica meets post rock. Uh-oh, maybe they are a bit of me. Um, what are you going to say? They say that the EP is for fans of uh, Radiohead Battles Scalping 65 Days of Static and Health which I think is a really interesting uh, mix of bands there and then immediately. Mm. I suppose... You can definitely re- hear a lot of Kid A era Radiohead. I was going to say, it's difficult to not bring up Kid A era Radiohead, isn't it, with this record? Mm. I also think there's a bit of Border Canada. Um, it goes into a little bit of that sort of Portis heady Massive Attack kind of thing. Um, I thought this was an interesting EP to cover just because we don't jump on this sort of thing all the time um and uh uh just wanted to make things a little bit more diverse they've also announced a tour playing with fox duo which will hopefully take place early next year um let's hope so and i just love the idea this band do not sound like fox duo at all i mean there's the bristol connection but i love the idea of those kind of very diverse bills the idea of having poisonous birds as an appetizer to um to fox duo just really really appeals to me because it's totally 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 different um i thought uh i also wanted to bring it in because i thought well you say it's a bit of me but i also thought it might be a bit of you as well because there's a very it's a very interesting mix of uh electronic-y bits and pieces isn't it yeah it is i yeah i quite i quite like this yeah, yeah. i quite like this i tell you what i like it when it's quiet mm, I that's think I when agree. i like it yeah um the fourth track on it's called true color it's really quiet and it's really good. Um, 
the more explosive stuff, like the thing that follows that, there's a song on it called I Sat By The Window and loads of other words. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what the rest of that song is called. I sat by the window and there was a bright light and I was very sad, oh, which is only like a couple of minutes long. But um, that sounded a little bit dated to me, to be perfectly honest. Um, okay. I've got no I've got no problem with stuff sounding like it came out in, you know, sort of the early 2000s or whatever. But And, and that sort of did. And it's only too long. It's like a kind of intro track from a Cooper Temple Claws album, I mm-hmm. thought, mm-hmm. which is perfectly fine but it wasn't anything that i found massively exciting saying that it's only two minutes of this ep which is not a massively long ep mm-hmm. anyway um about, about 22 think, minutes something like that yeah it's 22 minutes so it's two minutes of, of 22 minutes mm. um and it's pretty good this yeah i mean i picked true color which is not one of the ones that they've released they've released half of it already on their band camp page mm. um and i'm quite surprised that they haven't released true color because i think for me that is the best moment on the ep but as a piece overall, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I mean, they're quite a young band and, and like so far, like they've not released full, a full length album or anything like that. They've just released a few EPs and a few bits and pieces. And um, I, I hear a lot of promise and there's just, they're doing something that, I mean, I guess I'm not au fait with um, uh, electronic music as a whole generally, but I don't, think many people are doing this kind of thing at the moment um which is why which is what makes it interesting i mean i don't know if you'd have any counters to that but um, uh well um i wouldn't like to say yeah okay way. um no fair enough um but it's it, it feels kind of uh it, it feels a little bit different to me i did see them supporting sleep token as a matter of fact and they really impressed me live as well. But I think the other thing that I found really impressive about it is um, ha- the way that this EP sounds is not what I recall them sounding like at all from that gig, um, which makes me go, oh, I wonder if they've got lots and lots and lots of things in their locker, which just, again, mm. automatically makes me kind of excited for mm. the prospective future of what they are going to go on to do. Um, yeah. I certainly think there's a there's a bit of a callback to that sort of trip hop scene in in, in elements of it. You know, as, as I mentioned yeah. uh, Porter's Head and Massive Attack. Obviously, they're from Bristol, uh, Bristol Massive. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just thought it was a really interesting little EP, which um, and probably people should know about them, especially if they're into electronic bits and pieces. I think yeah, I think if you are into electronic bits and pieces, which feels like it's maybe been created with the actual proper proper instruments proper instruments yeah 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 i know what you mean with live with live instrumentation live instruments yeah yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. um i think you would quite like this yeah with that like what for me uh, 99% of the time electronic music has to have that kind of live element to it otherwise just just personally i'm just not interested um so Mm. that's another thing i would say like uh and certainly um they do that 100 percent uh so yeah yeah rem rem free in snob shocker (laughs) (laughs) what a surprise (laughs) i think this is quite good i'm not going to say it's great i think it's quite good it does make me go i would like to hear an album worth of it exactly because i feel like there are a few ideas that are under been a bit undercooked and i mean i I, when i said like oh it sounds a bit like 1999 or whatever like i listened to that fucking uncle album which you say sounds really dated all the time i think it's fucking brilliant so if people are deliberately trying to recreate something from a certain era i'm actually kind of 
all right with that. And yeah, I think they yeah. do that. They do that whilst also sounding very different in other places as well. So yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Let's I do, see where they go. I do think science fiction sounds dated just to go back to that uncle thing. But at the same time, I'm quite happy to hear people doing that kind of thing because it's not been done for a long while. And yeah, if people are going to exactly. bring a slightly new spin to it, then I'm okay with that. And I think they, I think it is representative of that stuff, but I think there's enough of them in it to make it interesting as well. Mm. okay there you go so the band are called poisonous birds the album is called we can never not be all of us and it is out now right our last album is t morris and joe quell for the benefit of all a collaborative album between the former her name is Kala, frontman mm-hmm. guitarist frontman and, and guitarist yep and the cellist of some note um remfrey you brought again you brought this in uh we went absolutely stratospherically massive 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 Mm. um on animal choir by her name is color which still remains one of the best albums of the millennium Mm. i would say um so i was pretty excited about this uh it didn't give me i mean if you heard us going about her name is color and expect you know there's going to be some more stuff that's like that Mm. this is absolutely Mm. not Mm. what you've got yeah, 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 is yeah. it not in the slightest it didn't give me um what i expected either although um i will say uh just because an album uh, just because an artist doesn't give you what you're expecting um to get from them you know that's not that's uh, you know not a way to to sort of review <laughs> records in a professional manner Mm-mm. uh so but i do also think that context is absolutely needed for this record so let me very quickly say this record is called for the benefit of all and it was inspired by and originally intended to be performed within kelly richardson's marina nine panoramic exhibition at the attenborough arts center in leicester but was cancelled due to the global covid19 pandemic have you heard of that um having yet to meet face to face despite having performed at several festivals together tom and joe decided to expand on the original ideas for a fuller more considered release uh for the benefit of all aims to tell a story of humankind's journey to mars spanning over 800 years blended into the music is a range of audio recordings from the solar system taken from the nasa archives space i love space you're a fan of space as in um the uh the sort of world not the, the brit pop band no not the band no 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 no. Oh, uh just space no. you're not a fan of space no What's i like the space? uh don't know <laughs> it's just a bit nothing isn't it just don't know don't know anything about it do i <laughs> i like no i don't, space. I, don't <laughs> I don't like what i fear remfrey uh, <laughs> and you fear nothing um yeah. I think this context is super important for the record because as that blurb explains, this was primarily meant to soundtrack an exhibition. This is probably the first time we've done a soundtrack for an exhibition. Um, and as such, you know, as we've talked about in the past with soundtrack albums, as a result, this is very subtle. It's very ambient. Um, it's meant to create a mood and the original, it, I think it's important to signpost that the original intention for this music has, as of, this moment in time as we're speaking not been able to um well it hasn't it hasn't been able to fulfill the brief that it was initially expected to um Mm. however i mean considering the amount that we've gone on about her name is carla it just seemed you know that we should absolutely 100 percent cover it despite those despite those things um and also joe quail i mean we've had joe on the show um for our mono special towards the end of last year if i recall um and joe's a fantastic cellist i mean in terms of the things that she does she really 
<laughs> she, she is a cellist, but a lot of what she does, she puts a lot of effects through it. And like the interesting thing with this record, I would say, is whilst it's full of cello in theory, it doesn't, none of it sounds like cello. Like she's distorted and mangled her cello in such a way with so many weird effects and stuff that there's there's never any point where you go, oh, that's a cello. Um, but quite a lot of it is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, I, 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 I mean, I, I, that's the weird thing. Like, at no point did I think I'm listening to a cello. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a, an interesting. I mean, it's certainly an interesting record, and I think the context of what it was meant to be will probably help you immeasurably. Yeah, yeah. Get what this is because yeah. I listened to it. The, the first time I listened to it, I just went, "Nah, yeah, don't, I don't." It's, it's, it's like fucking nine minutes has gone and i don't feel like i've it's given me anything it's very and subtle and it's very ambient it, yeah, yeah it's yeah. really so it's really ambulant uh, ambulance ambulance it's really, <laughs> it's really ambient yeah, yeah yeah but it's also got these bits of like spoken word and recorded stuff chucked in yeah then that's not going uh the, oh god i was about to say the nazi archive stuff that's definitely wrong the no. nasa <laughs> archive stuff yeah goodness me which gave was... it a, a it gave it a touch of um public service broadcasting mm. Didn't absolutely it? yeah yeah yeah. i yeah. can see that and i was sort of a bit like well if you're trying to go for that then you're not really doing that but then i don't think they are going for that no. and then when i listened to it again i was like right there's definitely some sort of narrative component to this there's some sort of structure that i don't really understand mm. and once i just accepted that i didn't understand what it was and let it be <laughs> what it was i actually enjoyed it a lot more having said that i genuinely can't imagine me ever putting this record on again yeah to be, perfect, yeah, yeah, yeah to be perfectly honest i think it's clearly very well made and it's it's very interesting and if it was going on in the background of you know whatever the the the, the exhibition, exhibition yeah. was it would probably be a fantastic um addition i agree and would really help you to get in the mood of that yeah i was listening to it in the garden yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> Probably on 90, a lovely sunny day as well. Yeah, ninety <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit or something. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it, it. I think a, a little bit of it got lost in translation. Yeah. But you know, fair play. I think these the people, the people involved in it are clearly very, very talented people. As yeah. we've discussed from their previous work, they're not suddenly not talented just because no, no, I no. don't like because I don't like space. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what your beef with space is. Um, it's great. It's really big. Just boring. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm just uh, like, what? What? Do something. <laughs> do something, space. Um, I thought you were going to get aliens and <laughs> like meteors and stuff. We're going, and you've done fuck all. We're always going to you. <laughs> well, we're not at the moment. We're, we're only trying to go to the moon. Yeah, we get yeah. to the moon, and we sent a bloody what? We sent a fucking jetpack to Mars and just let it sit there. And they're like, what have you got? Oh, we've found. A, we found a, a leaf. <laughs> oh, wow. It's amazing. There's no, it isn't. There's, I mean, scientifically, there's definitely not a leaf on uh, Mars because that would have been a lot more exciting uh, news. Mm. Uh, there's water in Jupiter, though. Lovely stuff. Could be life. Who knows? Um, geek. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think this is a cool example of um, a project being thrown a shitty stick um but then the not literally obviously that would be horrible um but then them making the best of it as a result you know i mean dunk records mm. have sort of turned around and gone you know like this isn't ideal but look we're going to release this for you and we'll give it a physical release and you know if you um 
whether you buy it digitally, if you buy it digitally, you get a PDF, which kind of actually outlines the sort of Mars 800 years story and stuff like that. And it's quite nice to sort of read along. Yeah, the DVD of the Jetsons as well. <laughs> which makes it worth it alone, surely. Um, bloody Jetsons. You like the Jetsons? You don't like space? Do you like the Jetsons? Well, there's... The, the space that the Jetsons live in, it looks great. Yeah, yeah. They can yeah. like jump on planets and bounce along them. Like, I mean, fucking hell, brilliant. <laughs> you got a little thing that you get, and get you, could, you don't even have to wear a helmet or anything. You just <laughs> ride around in your little space scooter. Brilliant. What have we got? They're like, oh, we've got water. You just said it. There might be water on Jupiter. <laughs> no, I, think, I, think, I think there is. But that's exciting because <laughs> that means that, that it's likely that there would be some sort of I don't know. Does that mean it's likely that there's some sort of life? This is not the podcast that you should be listening to for science-based <laughs> <No>. stuff. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're not going to be invited to space rocks, are we? <laughs> no, no, my knowledge on space is garnered from the infinite monkey cage, and that's about it. Um, but um, I mean, certainly, like what I will say is, if this uh, exhibition does end up be uh, going uh, going ahead again once all this uh crazy crazy pandemic times is over um this absolutely makes me want to go to it as a as a fan of space um i like i'm i'm absolutely you know wanting to go to to that for this and i just think it's a really cool example of making a uh, making something out of a bit of a shitty situation yeah i agree with that i agree fair play yeah no fair play and and it was actually after sort of three or four listens I found myself going, oh, I'm actually quite invested in this. Yeah. And the first listen, I was not at all. I, so I, think, I do agree I think with that's that. good. I do agree mm. with that. Even as more of a fan of this kind of ambient um, stuff, uh, uh, you know, it definitely, my, my first listen, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I definitely have become more invested in it as, as, as it's, as it's gone on. And, you know, you whack it on. If you do want an album to just chill the fuck out and, God knows we could all do with that a little bit at the moment. Um, mm. Then this is a bloody lovely one to put on. I mean, I think there are, I think there are, uh, quote unquote, better records to do that with. You know, you kind of um, your Oliver Arnold's and your Stars of the Lids and so on and so forth. But you know, again, you've got to bear in mind that this is not the con. That's not the context in which this has been created. So um, mm. yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah. So there you go. If that sounds like your bag, give it a go. Um, it's called For the Benefit of All. It was by T. Morris and Joe Quell. That is out right now. Um, yeah. Why don't you fucking marry Saturn if you love it so much? <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe I will. I love its rings. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, let's end the show. Should right we just end now. the show? Should now? we just end, just the, end show. the show now? Oh. Just end the show. Fuck this feature, let's, by the way. Let's end. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck um, this feature. Fuck music is sort of how I feel <laughs> after listening well, to this record. Spoiler alert. Well, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, Broken Records is how we end the show every week uh, where we search for the worst album ever made and damn have we had some stinkers but never before have me and Renfrey um ever reacted with such <laughs> outrage as we did when Razorlight by Razorlight was pulled out of a hat last week you were really think, not happy I've, I just thought I don't want to listen to this I, just I mean really really don't want to listen to this this was missed for um for the audio listeners of course but Steve just had his head in his hands and you I was, couldn't. I was annoyed. You I was were annoyed very annoyed. Because, because 
Well, we'll get into it. Razor Light by Razor Light, released on the 17th of June 2006. Now, some of you of a certain age, if you are one of those younger people, you might be going, right, I feel like I know the name. So, do you remember Razor Light? Seems like if you were there at the time, they were omnipresent to us. But now, in 2020, you'd probably struggle to even remember that they were a thing, unless we hadn't just rubbed them in your face. But trust us. Like a bad smell. Trust us. Razor Light were fucking massive. Yes. Absolutely massive. But who were they? So um, formed in 2002 by lead singer and cunt Johnny Burrell. <laughs> they were quickly thrust into the post-strokes and libertines world um, that was beginning to dominate alternative and popular culture simultaneously. Um, a scene that would ultimately destroy the popularity of guitar music or it's critical standing anyway, I still hugely maintain that these bands are the reason that hip-hop and pop music are bigger and more relevant, and that's why they're bigger now, because of shit like this. Certainly an argument to be made. I mean, Johnny Mm -hmm. Burrell even sort of um, kind of apologised for the shit that came after... um, after uh, the razor light invasion as if he was responsible for it, which I'm not even sure if that's strictly true. Um, There was an article on the independent, um, which is headlined. Johnny Burrell finally admits razor light. Second album fucked everything up for indie music. Um, and uh, it says in the well, copy, well, themselves a copycat band. What transpired were hundreds of labels jumping on any opportunity to sign razor light light, i.e. the kooks. The reign of indie landfill had begun. Do you think um, mm. Razor Light were responsible for that? I think that's what we're about to find out. Well, Winfrey. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Um, I first heard Razor Light just before their debut album came out in 2004. So they played Glastonbury and were hotly tipped at the time. Um, they did a kind of live lounge acoustic version of the big song from that first album, The Golden Touch. Um that Glastonbury 2004 was interesting because there were a lot of bands from that kind of post-Libertines, um, post-Strokes, that kind of thing. I mean, the Ordinary Boys were one, for example, who played the main stage. Now, I, 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 we'll talk about these other bands, but uh, all of these bands that we're going to talk about, the Ordinary Boys, the Maximo Parks, the Block Parties, all of those bands were at that Glastonbury Festival and they were pushing this shit so hard, so fucking hard. And I do remember they were pushing a razor light. They're like the hot tip band. Like they are the, going to be the next big things. Mm-hmm. And they played this kind of version of the golden touch. Now you can say a lot of things about razor light, but I'd say objectively speaking, golden touch is actually a pretty well written song. And with the YouTube trick of getting some gospel singers um, into, to kind of back it up. I remember thinking, that's actually a pretty good song done live with an acoustic guitar and some, you know, kind of gospel backing singers. I was at drama school at the time. So as I've discussed, I liked crap music and I was being exposed to terrible music back then. So what transpired? It's a prerequisite for getting into drama school, isn't it? It is. Part part of the audition process. It is. Um, So what happened was I went into a shop and I picked up the Razorlight album and I gave them money and I walked out of the shop with the, I purchased, I'm, I'm trying to sort of, be as like obscure enough without having to say I bought the first Razorlight album because I'm sort of ashamed about it. And you've self-flagellated yourself since. Uh. I have, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, 
it is not a good record. I got no. it back home and I was like, this is a bad record. Now, when I think back to that time and that little kind of indie period that I had, there are a few albums from that time that I stand by. Anything by Arcade Fire, Block, Block Party, Editors. Yep. I would say that first Ordinary Boys album is really fucking good as well. Don't forget Hot Hot Heat. I mean... I knew they'd come up at some point, but <laughs> fuck me, that is early, even for you. They're becoming your version of Talk Talk, Hot Heat. <laughs> um, so those albums are great, and they still sound great. Uh, there are some that I thought were quite good from the time, and now I don't really mind. Kasabian, Future Heads, Maximo Park. There are some that I bought at the time, and I liked at the time, and now I just go, what the fuck were you thinking? Kaiser Chiefs and the bravery. And there were some that I just got and straight away put back and were like, this is fucking hideous. This is rubbish. Hard fi, the Fratellis. I mean, actually my girlfriend was given the Fratellis album for Christmas. So we had it in a house, not right. really my fault. Razorlight's debut was certainly in that camp. Okay. It was a piece of shite, but they got pretty successful off the back of that record. Didn't they? Golden they touch did. was a big hit. Um, I mean, I'm sure they were on pop world and the Friday night project um probably i don't know surely definitely they probably were right. yeah. they must have been everybody well, yeah um they played live eight in 2005 the kind of 20th anniversary of live Aid thing at hyde park and were held as um i, I remember seeing a, a, a sort of documentary at the end of that year when they were sort of looking back on live eight uh and everybody said oh you know the best new band from all the sort of younger bands that played that day the best new band was razor light they were the standout new band I mean, although oh, that might be true, but when you're competing with Keen, Miss Dynamite, Snow Patrol, Joss Stone and the Scissor Sisters, okay. who actually are actually no, quite good. Okay. Uh, uh, it's, it's not saying much, is it? No. Yeah. Um, anyway, they got quite big on that record. Mm. Johnny Burrell became a, a sort of proper rock star, sort of. I mean, he basically, <laughs> he took his top off, he wore white jeans and he told everyone how he was better than Bob Dylan. Um, so like every other coked up beige cunt from Camden used to do. That's sort of what he did. Um, apparently towards the end of an American tour during the last bit of promotion for that first record, Burrell ran off stage in Denver, Colorado after five songs saying that he was off to kill himself, which kind of sets the tone for this album really, because he must've heard the mixes um, <laughs> of what his next album was going to be. Um, Razor Light released in the morning, the lead single peaked at number two in the UK singles chart. Um, they went on just before the album's release to open for The Who in Hyde Park and it went straight in at number one in the UK album chart. And it is a very, very big album from the time. It now, is. a few people have gone, why exactly are you picking the big hit in Razorlight album, the one that people seem to actually like, when its follow-up, Slipway Fires, a couple of years later, is really the shitty one that you should have been covering. Well, uh, this was still reviewed very badly, and I think it's just got a bigger profile. And there's other stuff that we'll get onto in a minute. But basically, reviews-wise, Pitchfork gave it a 2.8, calling it an amalgam of 90s alt-rock sensations such as Counting Crows and the Rembrandts, what ghoul then when they update REM's classic Pop Song 89 to Pop Song 2006, a slapdash salute to the Athens group with the flag at half-mast, of course, such braggadocios expected when Burrell's actually convinced he is our generation's Dylan. He's right too, although he should have specified Jacob and not Bob. Uh, Rolling Stone gave it two out of five, 
saying the overall feel still falls somewhere between sterile and silly with the nadir coming early on on the would-be anthem america which even jesus jones would have rejected as overblown drowned in sound gave it a five out of ten review um that mentions actum baby quite positively throughout and that's something which i think we we will mention uh saying this is not a great album that needs to be said while the dust is settling while the dust is still settling uh though it's not bad we have to disperse such a thick smokescreen before we can even start to ascertain its worth any reward has already been bled out in the disparity between expectation and reality so goodbye johnny and the gang it was fair enough effort but i'm afraid we'll be the judges of your worth from now on as your egos and your sensibilities appear to need recalibrating um pot matters gave it three out of ten more comparisons um with them not being as good as you two uh it says in many ways there's not a lot wrong with razor light the tunes are catchy the lyrics could sort of be profound if you don't listen too closely and at 35 minutes it can hardly be described as over long but while everything might well be in its right place razor light is a bloodless careerist record that has nothing to say that you haven't heard a million times before for a record that displays such bare commercial ambitions it is a startlingly unimaginative and anonymous listen uh stylus gave it an f rating saying razor light already proved in 2004 that the only thing worse than a precocious pop sensation is a stunted would-be liberal arts student with nothing to say and here just by gracing us with a physical copy of their second album the band proved that those infamous types are one and the same and the nme (laughs) gave it eight out of ten uh, before later in the year changing their mind and nominating it for the worst album of the year of their award show uh, an award which was won by robbie williams's rude box which they also gave eight out of eight ten, out of ten. Yeah. in in their magazine uh they also compared it to you two the headline the tagline for this review is burrell goes bono but it's actually good hmm. mm. time has not aged this review very well uh it says of the last song it's difficult to imagine anything rawer captured on record as the album's closer it proves devastating so razor lights morning after record is neither a tawdry come down nor a party substitute it's bigger than that it's a soulful romantic album about what happens when the lights come up at the end of the night and life smacks you in the face it's a record that understands and is there for you throughout all the highs and lows well done well done nme you knobs <laughs> i mean that that more or less sums up why we have such a sneery attitude towards enemy certainly at that time you know mm. um god and also just that whole sort of the confusing nature of giving it eight out of ten and then nominating it for the worst album of the year at their awards i think gives mm. an idea of that sort of sneery attitude that those publications had at that time it just sums it yeah. up in one sentence really doesn't it it really really does yeah build them up um, and then knock them down bollocks rubbish so there you go so Renfrey, now we can talk about it what do you think of razor light by razor light uh hmm what do i think of razor light by razor light uh in the morning is basically the jam for toddlers in the morning <laughs> was a big single yeah and i was listening to it and it struck me and actually i listened to this we went to cambridge yesterday me and my girlfriend on the way back i went i'm really sorry oh she doesn't mind she doesn't mind some of this awful shit but she was like <laughs> i was like can i listen to the Razorlight album and we did a game where we listened to the, a song from the Razorlight album and then listened to the song that it massively rips off straight afterwards and if you remember the song scream if you want to go faster by jerry halliwell i'd never noticed before but it absolutely rips off 
Scream If You Want to Go Faster by Jerry Halliwell. It, mm. it really does. And when he's talking about like this, on the, you know, the big line from America, there's nothing on the TV, there's no, there's no one on the, yeah, no one on the TV, nothing on the radio that appeals to me. And, you know, even that song, all these singers just look the same. Everyone just sounds the same. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're ripping off Jerry Halliwell, mate. <laughs> Not only are you ripping off Jerry Halliwell, you're doing a preschool version of Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen on the next song. Mm. And then hold on, it's fucking I'm Your Man by Wham, but without any of the joy or the voice or the charisma of George Michael. Yeah. It's a shit version of I'm Your Man by Wham. Don't sit here and tell me, like, you know, there's nothing on the radio. Mate, you're only nicking shit off Top of the Pops. <laughs> Everything you're, you're, you sound like is some kind of massive hit from some pop band. Yeah. And talk, Bruce Springsteen. Talk about Pot Kettle Black right <laughs> you know yeah. if you're complaining about bland uh just oh just frontman with fucking nothing to say just fucking boring um it kind of surprised me just how starkly naked this album is in terms of production um it's dry as a bone this album mm. um it didn't feel to me as if i was listening to a quote unquote complete record until the end of hold on um where some some sort of <laughs> like the producer sort of um uh starts twiddling the knobs it sounds like a demo it sounds like they sound like demos before then i mean i think i'm i think this was almost certainly a choice rather than a production mistake or error because the album was recorded by chris thomas whose production credits include among others sex pistols elton john pulp in excess brian fairy procol harem and some band called the beatles um so you know <clears throat> when you're working with that caliber of artist you're not bad at your job you know i don't think the blame can be put at uh, chris thomas's feet it was obviously a um a decision but as we discussed before when it comes to this sort of thing it was a decision based on commercial aspects and commercial aspects alone and because that kind of dry production and um the fact that there's there's barely anything to these songs, but that stuff goes across really well on radio. That's the kind of production style that works really well for radio. Um, especially, I mean, I suppose we would have still be in, been in the FM radio era in this. I suppose digital mm -hmm. radio was just about coming in, but you know. Um, radio, radio uh, it would have been XFM still then, when XFM yeah, and Virgin yeah. Radio and... Yeah, you know, Radio One with Chris Moles in the morning, yeah. like that kind of fucking shit. And it just feels so, like, there's just so little going on on this record. It's just kind of like the, it's just melodies and a bit of jangly guitar, really, for thirty five minutes. It's just very nothingy, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, I have to admit. I mean, the thing is, I, I kind of hate myself for saying this. But there are moments where this record actually sounds quite good. Um, there are only moments, and by God, are they fleeting moments. But the last 30 seconds of I Can't Stop This Feeling I've Got actually sounds... Well, the one that you mean Waterfall by the Stone Roses. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I do think that sort of... And I am specifically referring to the last 30 seconds. Uh, but that sounds quite good. Um, I feel like I'm going to have to, I don't know, bathe myself in chlorine after saying this, but... When America came on, I don't know if it was some kind of Stockholm syndrome or nostalgia kick. That, 
No, I know what you're going to say. This is a Pavlovian response. It could well to be. you being stood around a bunch of people who like that song because they're scum, and yeah, and it just reminded you 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 went to somewhere in a pub and it played and you had a nice time. I you found don't like my that, you no, don't like that no, song. No, I don't like it. All I'm all I was going to say is I found my toe tapping, Steve. I mean, I immediately wanted to saw my own foot off maybe even the whole leg up to the thigh just to ensure <laughs> that this sudden newfound respect that my toe had inadvertently found for razor light wouldn't spread to the rest of my body and god forbid my mind um I but mean, I, it's just not that is i mean it's a thing right america is the big single off of yeah, this right yeah. and that's why when we got this when we got pulled this out you know i already knew like at least three of the songs from this record and so I, I felt like I, I, I felt like I, to... I felt like I knew all of it, which was which would really hurt mm. me, stung me even more. But yeah, it felt it felt like oh god, I know this whole bloody record, but because even of the omnipresence. It, even as I held the bit of paper in my hand and I picked it out of the hat last week, I was like, I know I have to listen to these songs. I already know I fucking hate. Yeah, <laughs> and I have to go back and listen to them with fresh ears and go, okay, right. Well, it's funny because we, <laughs> I was talking to. I, Merlin at Metal Hammer and he knows that we do we chat about whatever we're up to and I said to Merlin like fucking hell man I've just pulled Razor Light Razor Light out of the Broken Records hat and he was like well I hope you go in with an open mind and I was like well of course we always go we always go in with an open mind like, we always go into these with an open mind right yeah. I think even with this one I was like now I know I hate these songs but it's been a long time and I've not heard the whole record so it's prop like the chances of me liking it are so slim, but you go in with an open mind and go, was I being harsh? Like, let's find out. But he said to me, he's like, you know, actually I went back and listened to the first Arctic Monkeys album and I've got no time for that. And actually it was quite good, but it's like comparing this to the Arctic Monkeys Mm. is ridiculous because Mm. I don't think anyone, you know, the Arctic Monkeys are still massive and kind of deservedly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've not just made... I didn't even listen to that Arctic Monkeys album and just and thought, well, they've just done this to get on the radio. Yes. But they weren't. They weren't doing that at all. And they're, exactly. You know, I, I don't think that is a fair comparison. But, I agree. But this, like when America came on, I was like, objectively, this is just, not only do I have this kind of like, my eyes start twitching like, oh, this fucking song. But I tried to listen to it in the same way as I listened to it. Like I've already admitted that I think the Golden Touch is actually quite a well-made song. Mm. even if it's fucking annoying and omnipresent at that time and you know mm. you ended up hating it because you were like this guy's a knobhead mm. america's just not a very well-made song mm. it's all over the place it stops it starts it doesn't flow it's not composed well mm. it, it's jarring it's it's crap it's mm. crack mm. It's, no, it's, I... It, uh, i remember it's sometimes you hear songs that get massive and you just go how mm. how has that happened it's just even for like stupid people who don't really care about me, like who don't care about music or don't think about music. I say stupid people. Let's rephrase that. People who aren't interested, who aren't really interested in music. Mm-hmm. They just like to hear whatever comes on the radio. Mm. I mean, fucking hell, when that comes on, I, I, I don't understand how that, I mean, it's no better than Bingo by Catch. <laughs> the only theory I can um, put forward to that is, um, uh, and again, I think this is, you know, us coming at it from an open mind. I, I didn't, I didn't like re-listening to this record at all, but I didn't despise it quite as much as I thought I was going to, um, based on memory alone. Um, I don't like it. 
at all. But but it, it, I didn't absolutely despise it. I just think again, I mean, sort of could go back to that thing of like there just is nothing to these songs, and I agree. I don't think they're particularly well composed. I think the thing that appealed to people is. Um, Johnny Burrell's relatively good at writing a melody that sticks in your head. Um, mm. And I think a lot of people, again, I would, you know, argue without trying to sound, sound too snobby, um, people who more casual listeners to music kind of go, oh, well, if a melody's catchy, that makes it good. No. Um, writing a catchy melody, I don't think does make a song good at all. Um, I, I, I think, I think, a catchy melody can be part of a great song, but I don't think that in and of itself makes it good. In fact, quite often a lot of the melodies on this album I find really cloying and annoying. Um, mm. Yeah, they're easy to sing. You can sing it a lot of this record back after the first listen. And sometimes that is definitely a good thing. But, uh, you know, you, you hear this record once and you're, ne you're, ne you're never going to hear something new on a second listen. There's no right. depth to it at all. It is so, it's so happy meal, you know, mm. it is so kind of like, it's just so lowest common denominator. It's just rubbish. And I think, but I think the reason why I thought I would hate it more is because the omnipresence of it at the time, you, you know, did make me dislike this band so much, probably much more than I should have disliked them at the time. But also it's really when when the front man of a band just comes out with this absolute twattery, um, it just really makes you loathe them even more, doesn't it? And Johnny, mm. Johnny Burrell just strikes me as the most annoying, cloying cunt, just comparing himself to Bob Dylan. I mean, what fucking planet are you on? You fucking dope. Um, it's just absolutely. <laughs> uh, but but then but. I will say, I think my my dislike of Johnny Burrell, um, maybe maybe made me thought that I would dislike this album even more than I did, and uh, I don't think it's the absolute hateful piece of tripe it was. I just don't think it's very good. No, I think it was a complete package, wasn't it? It was yeah. the time, it was the look, yeah. it was the fact of, you know, a band like, we talked about Biffy Clyro earlier, who obviously have gone on to have the last laugh, but Absolutely. a band like Biffy who were getting kind of nothing or kind of sneered, you know, you, you think of the sort of the Ruben and bands like that getting sneered at and not being touched by the enemy while this shit was yeah. getting on, like I say, the Friday Night Project with Justin yeah. Lee Collins and Alan Carr. I mean, you know, that does sound like my idea of hell. Yeah. Razor Light hanging out with, Alan Carr and fucking Justin Lee Collins, <laughs> but hey, the noughties, like mm. I always remind you, it was bad. But yeah, you're 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 right to say all of that. I mean, you are you're you're kind of what you're saying there about how it's not. You know, we've had some fucking really dross, mm. bad records on this, and this is just you've made a boring, a shit boring record. That's yeah, what it is really. Yeah, a slight I shit boring record and you've told everyone that it's the best thing the ever, best thing ever not. yeah and that, and that sort of added to it and at the time that was massively cloying annoying and really kind of added to my hatred of this band but now that the dust has settled on this stuff and and we're not kind of overwhelmed with this utter dross um i can look at it in a, an ever so slightly more fond light um but i still don't like it i suppose what i'm trying to say is i don't think this record is broken per se i just don't think it's very good at all mm. 
Um, it was, as you all probably know at this point, a depressingly big hit. Uh, the band supported Queen and Paul Rogers and Richard Ashcroft, uh, fellow Broken Records alumni there, the old Broken <laughs> Records tour, um, uh, as <laughs> well as imagine? supporting, yeah, as well as supporting the Stones and Oasis before they went on to, and this I think sums up just how mad this time was. They went on to headline the main stage of the Reading Festival in 2007. Now, when you look at the sort of artists that headline the Reading Festival today, Stormzy, Eminem, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Biffy, uh, do you know what I mean? It's, it's unthinkable that Razorlight would, head, would get even halfway up that stage. Although, I don't know, Cortinas are giving it a bloody good go. But unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, if you're one of those people, somebody did say to me once when I was saying, you know, like, I think I was comparing Post, I was saying Post Malone's just an American face tattoo rap version of Razorlight. And somebody went, wow, Razorlight were never that big. They fucking they were. were. They fucking when were, you think, yeah. If you think this stuff wasn't that big, they fucking were. And if you are wondering why we picked this record and not Slipway Fires, um, which is the disastrous 2008 follow-up. Well, I think it's for exactly the reason that you explained just a minute ago, Renfrey. Mm. Slipway Fires went away without a whisper. Yeah, it did. And although Razorlight continued to veer from sort of one failure to another for a few years, to the point where most of the band lined up had changed completely, but, and Burrell released a failed solo album, they came back to play that debut album in full on its 10th anniversary at the Electric Ballroom in London. Yeah. In six years, mm. from headlining Reading Festival to the Electric Ballroom. Here today, gone tomorrow. Electric, the Electric Ballroom holds about 800 people. You're looking at about, what, 60,000, 80,000 people at Reading Festival? Yeah, it's about 1,200, but but yeah, it's still oh, right, a yeah. massive, 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 massive tip. Yeah. Um, also, humiliating. For yeah. someone who said they're a better songwriter than Bob Dylan, yeah. humiliating things also, to happen. I noticed um, going through um, Spotify, um, I noticed that Razorlight released an album in 2018 called Olympus Sleeping. Totally missed that um, because yep. I suppose people have kind of realised that um, they weren't really anything that special to talk about in the first place. And, you know, I, I was completely unaware. I suppose I don't really look to that world all that often, but I was completely aware, unaware that Razorlight had even released um, a record since those first three. Um Looking it up on Wikipedia, they haven't. E no one's even bothered to create an entry for Olympus Sleeping. That's how far this band have fallen. <laughs> because why would you fucking bother in uh, 2018 mm. or 2020? It, they, they have released um, new singles this year. There's one called Burn Camden Burn. Um, I wouldn't have minded burning it around this time, considering that <laughs> <laughs> the Libertines and Razor Light and all that lot were probably hanging out around mm. there quite a lot. Um, yeah, so, I mean, God, it looks like Just maybe... make sure you save... When... Well, actually, don't worry. I was going to say make sure you save Amy Winehouse, but it probably wouldn't have done any good in the long run anyway. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> um, it's actually interesting you mentioned Amy Winehouse because there's another independent um, article uh, that was um, released around the the release of that uh, uh what was it called olympus olympus shitstorm olympus sleeping um just assuming it's a shitstorm uh, and the opening paragraph said it's the mid noughties in a scruffy camden boozer called the hawley arms amy winehouse is pulling her own pints behind the bar members of arctic monkeys and kaiser chiefs are milling about so too are the libertines 
probably tossing their pork pie hats ceremoniously in the air. Kate Moss is there, obviously. Nick Grimshaw is DJing. And Johnny Burrell from Razorlight, resplendent in a nipple-low V-neck, has brought along his girlfriend, Hollywood A-lister Kirsten Dunst. The pub is the tabloid-feeding epicentre of London's posturing indie scene. A scene so cool, Tim Burgess the Charlton's once said, once told Vice, it didn't have a name. Um, that, uh, bar, you know, a couple of things, members of Arctic Monkeys, Amy Winehouse, uh, Kirsten Dunst, did I have an issue with Kirsten Dunst? Uh, that sums up pretty much everything I fucking hate about this scene. <laughs> like, I just read that paragraph. I was just like, uh, uh, put it in the bin. Uh, uh. Yeah, that would be Hate bad, it. man. Hate Awful. it. Awful. The bad, it was a pretty bad, I mean, I was living in, I'd moved up to London at that time and I would go out, go out at the weekend, sometimes to Camden and I never, ever had a good time. Um, I'll tell you what else, something you haven't picked up on, Renfrey. Do you know, mm. speaking about this fall, this humiliating fall that Razor Light have been on, do you know who he blamed for that? No. The drummer. In 2016, oh, yes. Johnny Burrell admitted that the band uh, and... Uh, were collaborative and Andy Burrows, the drummer, had helped shape the sound of the second album, stating that I rate the drummer Andy Burrows. He was a great drummer with a melodic ear. But if you want to figure out who was taking Razorlight in which direction, then maybe have a listen to what we're each doing now. I'm playing psychedelic blues tango and his stuff is so middle of the road, it's got more white lines than Liam Gallagher in 1997. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you can't blame it on the drummer. You can't blame this on the drummer, mate. No, of course you no can't. No way. What a knob. Um, <laughs> no, well, he's, when the, it, he's the primary songwriter, is he not, Burrell? Yeah, of, I'm course assuming, he is. of course he is. He's, he's the, he wrote all of the songs. Um, Andy, Andy Burrow's two work two writing credits on this. Exactly. So so how the fuck is it Andy Burrows' fault? Um, and he's got writing credits on America and Before I Fall to Pieces. But, you know, no, Burrell, it's your fucking fault. You wrote this, Dross. Fucking own it. At the very, at the very least, admit to it. I know it's absolutely pathetic. I uh, definitely psychedelic blues tango. What are you on about? Fucking, I wouldn't know blues tango if it came up and to him the Hawley Arms offered him a bag of coke. A fucking twat. (laughs) Um, It does make it quite hard. I tell you what. I tell you what. And I think we said this at the time. It makes me remember back to the very first broken record that we did, "Streets in the Sky" by the Enemy. And go, that got a pasting in 2012 mm. for the crime of just being one of those bands. Mm. And like we said, it was such an omnipresent, horrible scene that the first one of those bands that was going to bring an album out was going to get absolutely crucified. And the enemy did. And I don't remember much about Streets in the Sky by the enemy. No. But I do remember thinking it's probably better than this. Oh, it's a tricky one. Um, I do think, I mean, what I will say about the enemy streets in the skies, I don't think there's anything vaguely memorable about it at all. And whilst I have just wanged on about the fact that, you know, just because you can write a melodic hook, which is memorable, that doesn't make you good. I do think uh, when we're comparing the enemy and Razorlight, at least Razorlight have that in their back pocket. Like the, the these melodies, they do stick in your head. I mean, whether for good or for ill i would argue for ill um but at least they have that i suppose so i suppose in that respect i would um uh you know give the bout to razor light having said Mm. that there's also um 
the argument to be made that you know, if we're to believe Johnny Burrell, he's responsible for a lot of this shit. Um, and it becoming the stagnated, boring... Oh, is he responsible for it being... Becoming? It already was. It already was, yeah. Like, like you know, so I, he certainly... He probably... He, Razorlight may well have added a couple of years to this boring, stagnant scene um, mm. with the success of this record, potentially. Um, so is that yeah. a reason to vote it? I'm very... I'm very... I, I'm, I'd have to say I'm very... I'm struggling to know where to place it. This one, I am. Struggling. Well, if you're if you're saying it's Streets in the Sky is worse, mm, I don't. It well, it is and it isn't. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. It is and it isn't. And then, is it worse than Limp Biscuits' results may vary, which is just beneath it? I feel like this is weirdly. I'm going to have to say I think this is probably better than results may vary. And if this is better than results may vary, um then it's also better than Streets in the Sky by The Enemy. It's definitely not better than Primitive Call by Mick Jagger. No, no. Uh, and all those other, Bush, William Shatner, Dee Dee King, Lauren Hill, Liz Fair, Lou Reed, Lou Reed and Metallica, Bob Dylan, forget it. Mm. When you go to the top, at the very, very top of the pile, Methods of Mayhem, Uncle Cracker, Towers of London, six, uh, so bad. No. Six Feet Under, no, not no. really. E. Ogan, Richard Ashcroft is just hilarious, like yeah, over yeah, the top. Yeah. Same with Queen of Paul Rogers. It's actually not as I mean, stuff like Louis the Fourteenth and Theory of a Dead Man are kind of more like disgusting. There's nothing on this which is disgusting. It's just no, that's over, true. It's just over the top. So you've then got like famous first words by Viva Brother, who I think would be desperate. That's it. Like Viva Viva Brother would love to have been Razor Light. They'd have oh, fucking yeah. given anything. I can't remember anything about One by Dirty Vegas. I can't remember much about Streets in the Sky. So that there really leaves, I would say, unbelievably, Razorlight. For all the amount we bitched and moaned, I think Razorlight go in between Mick Jagger and Limp Biscuit. So Jagger, Razorlight, Biscuit, the enemy. That's given me a knot in my stomach, though, because that feels too nice. <laughs> I am, I am wondering whether to put it above not just the enemy, but also, um, uh, did you say Louis the Fourteenth? Louis Fourteenth. Mm, yeah. What on their rapey, rapey songs? Oh Louis God, 14th? no, no, you're absolutely right. No, I do. No, no, no. Let's go there. Well, okay, in, then in between the enemy, the below Louis Fourteenth, above the enemy. That makes sense. So it's the enemy, Dirty Vegas, Beaver Brother, Louis the Fourth, Theory of a Dead Man, Louis the Fourteenth is how the list looks at the moment. Okay. So you've got. So you're saying it's worse than the enemy. Is yeah. it worse than Dirty Vegas? Don't know. Can't, Can't remember. remember. <laughs> I mean, famous first words by Viva Brother is just like a, a terrible, terrible version of this, mm. an even worse version of this. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. So I think it's got to go, and it, it definitely. I can't believe I would say, oh, it's, Razorlight is better than Theory of a Dead Man and Louis the Fourteenth, but it is. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think, okay, Dirty Vegas, Razorlight, Viva Brother. Yeah, in okay. that little pocket Fair there. Play. Fair play. You, I've. Yeah, let's let's put it there. So there you go, Razorlight, um, back where they belong, uh, in the middle of something. In the, uh, <laughs> in the middle of a load of shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need to do another record next week, Renfrey. Please, I, I could do with a DD King next week, mm. to be fair. Oh, After yeah. listening to like Limp Biscuit and I could do there, there's one in here that I'm just like, if I reach around, maybe I can find the one that I desperately want to do because there are some in here that i've nope absolutely <laughs> quite the opposite actually <laughs> fucking great oh and it's from the same time as well 
Uh, I'm not a fan, but the kids like it by Broken Side. Oh, crikey. Okay. I mean, from the UK's version of just the absolute worst thing that that happened in the noughties to America's version of the <laughs> the worst thing that happened in the nineties. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to that. No. Uh, we'll be back next week though. We're going to be reviewing a new Blues Pills album. Yeah, this would be good. It's not very exciting, is it? Next week. Wonder if we should do oh. a catch up. Oh Christ! All right. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, fuck me. Nothing seems after listening to Razorlight. Nothing seems exciting. <laughs> we're or everything to, does. We're about to discuss what we're going to do next week. It's going to be a surprise. I would say. Mm. Mm. All right, lovely. Um, but we will definitely be doing Broken Side on Broken Records. Yeah. That'll be fun. When is when is, there's a few good ones in that hat? There are. There's there's definitely far more interesting ones to talk about. They'll come out. They'll come. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening, chaps. We will see you next week. Bye. Say bye, Renfrey. Bye, Renfrey. Oh, hot in it. Too hot. <laughs>